Find a seat, find a Bible. It's good to see you all here today. Hope you had a good week behind us. And um, saw a lot of you out at uh, Bahia Point on Friday, which was a lot of fun. Got to do some baptisms together, hang out, enjoy the weather, the place that we live. So it was good to, to be out there. And if you couldn't make it, we missed you, but we had a great time, even without you. So don't miss it again. Just kidding, just kidding. Awesome. Well, um, this morning, as we begin to jump into um, studying the Word together in worship, um, last week, as many of you know, uh, we finished our study through the Gospel of Mark. So we went through the entire Gospel of Mark very quickly, um, and we kind of jumped in in a bunch of different places throughout it. Um, many of you read through the whole Gospel of Mark, and I am, am pleasantly surprised. I know it's sometimes hard when a pastor says, here's a reading plan for you to do, uh, for you to actually do it, but many of you did, I've been pleasantly finding out. Yes, good for you, good job. And so with that, you took the summer and you read through the entire Gospel of Mark, and you, you picked up a lot of those things, and then we did a bunch of... Um, uh, little glimpses at the calls of Jesus throughout the Gospel of Mark together. Um, so we finished that. And the next book of the Bible, some of you are wondering, what could it be? What are we going to do next that we're going to go through? Um, is actually, drum roll please, no, not really, um, <laughs> the book of Acts. The book of Acts, all right? And um, the book of Acts is an incredible view of the beginning of the church. So it picks up right at the end, you know, the end of the gospel. Um, and it starts right into the beginnings of the church, starting with Jesus' last words to his followers before he ascended into heaven. And then it follows the, the, the growth of the church, the birth of the church, and continues with the spread of the gospel into the world. All right, and um, there are so many incredible stories in the, the book of Acts that are important to know um, and lessons that we can really learn from it. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we launch into Acts, so we're not starting that today, um, before we launch into Acts, I think this is a, a good time, just kind of a natural um, break in the normal rhythm of what's going on in the church to be able to sort of zoom out a little bit and give a big picture view of what we're doing and where we're going as a church, okay? Um, I think it works really well when we start inching toward the end of summer and moving toward fall, when school starts back for people, people start getting into normal routines and all that, um, and I, I think that it's a good kind of transition point. But in order to do that, I'm actually going to stay in Mark for another week just to look at a different, a small little statement that Jesus made in Mark chapter 4. So if you want to go ahead and turn your way to Mark chapter 4, um, it's, it's a small uh, couple verses that we're going to look at here, three verses. And um, in this, I, I, it, it's one of these, we, we know if you, when you read through the gospel of Mark, you know that one of Jesus' favorite ways of teaching things was through parables. All right, and a parable, uh, the, the term literally means to throw alongside of, parabolo in the Greek, if you want to get into that, all right? And what it is, is he's basically saying, all right, here's this important truth of life that I want you to know about, and I'm going to kind of throw an illustration or an idea alongside of it to help, help you understand what this important thing is. That's all parable is, all right? And this is one of the, the little parables of Jesus that he used to describe the kingdom of God. And as you study through the Gospels, you know, that was a big 
talking point for Jesus. He wanted people to have a view of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God here on earth, the kingdom come, but also the kingdom of eternity, of what would happen, you know, in the future. And so there's these different layers of the kingdom of God. But in Mark chapter 4, um, let's, let's read this together. Here's what it says. It says, and he, that's referring to Jesus, said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make, its, make nests in its shade. All right, and that's it. That's where we're going to stop. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here today. Okay? Um, we have this, this, I hope, I hope you have, this vision kind of fresh in your mind for what it is that Jesus calls you to personally. We've looked at seven different calls of Jesus over the past seven weeks. What he's calling you to, but also what he calls the church to and how those things kind of interact, right? So we know Jesus calls his followers, even still to this day, to action, He calls us to follow him. He calls us to surrender our lives to him. He calls us to places of health. He calls us to engage with the world around us. He calls us to go. That's what we looked at last week. He calls us to do these things. Uh, The book of Acts is going to illustrate the church answering that call, doing all these different things. And we'll start to see this all spread. But it's also important to understand how we are positioning ourselves as a church, as a group, to answer the call of of Jesus, to follow that call, and to understand how he grows us. How So we we say, all right, I want to answer your call, Jesus. I want to do what you call me to do. I want to be the person you're calling me to be. How do I do it? I need to know that. I need to figure that out. Um, But that's what he does. He calls and he grows his people in his church. And here, in this particular image he gives, he says it starts really small. It's just like a little seed, a little grain that's dropped into soil. But over time, and with all of the right ingredients, with the water and the sunshine and, 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 and all that, a little plant sprouts. And that little plant begins to grow and develop. And ultimately, over time, it comes to a place where now it's not only just a plant for itself and for the goodness of being a plant, but it now actually begins to even grow branches and it allows others to come and enjoy the shade that is provided by this plant that's growing. All right? And that's the image that he's given to us. And he, he says that's what the kingdom, the kingdom of God is all about. And as Christians that are part of this, people that are part of this call, this is what we're experiencing. This is what we're a part of. We're growing to this place. So for the past several months, you might know this, um, you might not know this, um, the, the elder team, we've been uh, taking some time to do some strategic planning, all right? And for those of you in the business world, you're like, okay, yeah, of course, we're always doing strategic planning. We're always trying to figure out, okay, what needs to happen next? Where are we at? Where are we going? How are we doing with the different objectives that we have and all that? And so every so often, as an elder team, we try to get together and say, hey, let's just lay it out there. What's good? What's bad? What needs to be fixed? What's working great? How can we improve? What's going on here, right? 
And so for the past several months, we've been reviewing our vision and our values um, and trying to discern if we're on track or not and what is God's future direction for us as a church. And what we've determined is that the things that we got behind um, in the very beginning when the church began are the very same things that God's calling us to continue to do, all right? So for those of you who are afraid of change, don't be afraid. We're not changing, okay? It's the same stuff. It's the same things. And we went back and looked at, okay, the, the vision and the, the, the mission for God's church and how does our vision line up with that and what are our values and all of those things. Um, we believe it's the same things. You know, Jesus, uh, we, we looked at this last week in the call to go. Jesus gave the same mission for all churches. Every Christian church has essentially the same mission. And usually, biblically, the way that we describe it is in, in two big terms. The great commandment and the great commission. All right, The great commandment is when Jesus said, you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right, And you're supposed to love your neighbors as yourself. That's the great commandment. When people ask Jesus, hey, what's the most important of all the commandments? He says, you got to do this. All right, and then as we go on and when you see the great commission, what he says is, and now you are going to go and you're going to make disciples, baptizing them like we did Friday in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And you're going to teach them to obey all that I've commanded. All right, and so those two statements, the great commandment and the great commission, that's really the mission for all churches. But where different churches vary is then how they implement the things, how they get from A to Z. What, are, what is the specific vision that God gives individual churches to do that very thing? To fulfill the great commission and to obey the great commandment. How does that look? And that, there's, a, there's many, many ways to do that very thing. And God uses different churches in different ways for that. All right? Our vision statement as a church still rings true for us. Now, it's taken me almost seven years to memorize the thing very well, but, but our mission statement, our vision statement, our, our vision statement, not our mission, our mission is what Jesus gave us, but our vision statement is simply this, to be, to become a healthy, vibrant Christian community that's devoted to Jesus Christ, his transformation of our lives, as we learn to love one another and our community, Right? For God's glory and our fulfillment. Now you see, there's all these little pieces in here. And I can actually say it fast too. I said it slowly because I want you to try to pick up some of these pieces. All right? That's the same vision. The same vision that we started with on day one of this church is the same vision that we think describes what it is we want to accomplish as a church. It's the same, same thing. We also looked again at our values of a church. We value being a Bible-centered ministry, to immerse ourselves in worship, to experience authentic community and transformed lives, to be equipped to serve and to be engaged with the world. Those values are all the same. Now, we recognize some of those values we've accomplished a lot better than other ones, and there's some of those that we're like, man, we really need to help develop this more and explain this better. But they haven't changed and we believe that we're still on track with the what. What are we all about as a church? It's those things. That's right. But what we want to better describe is the how. How do we do this stuff? 
How do we actually bring all those things into our lives? And as a church, how do we accomplish these things? And it's not something just for the leadership of the church to understand. Because that's sometimes what people automatically think. They're like, okay, that's great. Glad you guys did all that because I wouldn't want to be in all those conversations. It sounds like a lot of details, a lot of philosophizing and all that. It is. I love that stuff. Um, But you might say, well, yeah, as long as you guys are doing that, the leaders, that's good. We can do that. No, that's actually not the way it's supposed to be. It's important that everyone who's a part of this church And for everyone who becomes a part of this church to understand this. And communicating the process for how we do this is something that we believe we can improve on. So that's what I want to take us through, all right? And and I'm going to try to make it as painless as possible as we go through here. But I think it's going to be very important. And I really hope it gives you a vision for, for how this all works. So we know that Jesus calls us to become disciples and make disciples, right? How do we do it? How do we do it? Um, and I will say, originally I thought about saving this for October when we do, um, uh, we celebrate the anniversary of the church and something we call South Point Sunday, and that's a good time to refresh the vision and all that. But here's what I've realized as I've thought about this more and prayed about this more. This is the kind of stuff that we always need to be communicating. This is the kind of stuff that we always need to be reminded about. This is one of those things that I'm going to be very tired of telling you this. And you're going to be very tired of hearing it. (laughs) But that's the only way it really sinks in. But I think it's really important that we understand this. Um, And maybe by South Point Sunday, which is in October, we'll have it all clear in our hearts and minds. And it will be happening if we start defining it now. So what is our process? What is the South Point path? We want everyone in the church, whether you have been with us since day one, or if this is day one for you, to understand with clarity what the path is to spiritual health, spiritual growth, and maturity. Those are the marks of a disciple. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, what he says is, I want you to help people be formed spiritually and grow to maturity in in spiritual life, all right? That's what makes a disciple. Jesus told us that. Go make disciples. Now, the word disciple, that's just a fancy church word for someone who wants to be like their teacher, all right? A disciple is somebody not just who knows what their teacher spoke, but they actually want to be like their teacher. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's not saying make disciples of yourself, We're not trying to make disciples of Brett, disciples of South Point. We're trying to make disciples of Jesus. That's the point. That's the purpose. And so what we're saying is we want you to be like Jesus, to grow in those ways. Someone who thinks like Jesus, someone who acts like Jesus, someone who responds like Jesus, someone who loves and lives like Jesus, right? That's what the goal is in this whole discipleship thing. And spiritual health and growth and maturity, what we're talking about here, it's, I need you to know, it's not just for special people. It's not just for the pastors, the leaders. It's not for the people that you think of as the saint. It's for all believers. We're all called to be disciples, to live this way, to to become more and more like Jesus. But here's the thing. Spiritual health doesn't just happen accidentally. It doesn't happen passively. 
okay? I cannot spend all day every day sitting on the couch watching Netflix with a tub of ice cream and expect that I'm going to magically get in shape. It's not going to happen when I do it over and over and over, day after day, right? We know it's not going to happen. That's not how you get healthy physically. That's not going to be good for you in the long run. That's not the way it works. It's the same thing spiritually. You can't just say, well, I'll just show up to church for the next 20 years, and in 20 years, I'll be a spiritual giant. I'm just going to come and sit and listen and sing the songs, and whatever comes my way, I'll pick a little of that up, and pretty soon, I'll be good. I'll be spiritually mature and healthy, and everything will be great. It's not how it works, guys. It's not how it works. Um, the, the author of Hebrews challenged uh, the church that he was writing to there because they had that mindset. They had the mindset of, well, we'll just, you know, cruise along and eventually we'll become spiritually mature. But here's what he says in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. He's, and it's kind of hard. He's correcting them. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to know this stuff inside and out and can tell anybody about it. You ought to be teachers. But you actually need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have have their powers of discernment, listen, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It doesn't just happen. It's got to be something that we're leaning into. Spiritual maturity requires growth. You've got to grow. And the spiritually mature person is the one that Jesus is describing when he says this plant eventually grows up and it has branches that can provide shade for the birds. That's what he's describing. He's describing this mature plant, this tree even, that's healthy and strong enough to support others in this. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to be able to grow, to come to that place of of maturity. And we want everyone to know what that process is and how to go about it. Um, Before we jump into it, and I know this is a long intro, it's going to be longer still. But before we jump into it, I also want you to know that this process that we're going to describe, it's not some super secret patented formula that is like only for the members of South Point. You know, some secret fix-all thing. That's not it. God is the one who gives spiritual life and growth, right? We learned that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God is the one. We simply want to examine his methods, dig into his word, figure out what he is teaching us and guiding us toward, and then try to extract those principles and find a way to apply them to our lives. That's all we're doing here. God is the ultimate designer. Um, In the same way that he designed the world, with all these intricate processes and ways that things work. He has a, a, a design and a plan for the way that we grow spiritually as well. But because we're complicated people, the process can sometimes be a little bit confusing. Well, let me ask you this, because you might be sitting here thinking, okay, I've got an idea of this. I know how that works. Okay, great commission, great commandment. Okay, I've got a way that I'm doing this in my life. It's working out okay. Um, Not a problem. I don't really need to listen to this message. All right, well, let me ask you this, though. Can you personally describe and define this process to spiritual health and spiritual growth 
simply to somebody. Maybe somebody who doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. And they see you and they hear about your spiritual life and they're like, that's awesome. How do I do that? Now, you might start off with, oh, well, that's, that's, that's very simple, you know. First off, you start off with a Bible, but, you know, here's the thing about the Bible. You don't really start from the start because you start in Genesis. It's kind of confusing, and you get deep into there, and you're like, what's going on? So maybe don't do that, but jump to the New Testament. Did I tell you in our Bible we have a New Testament and Old Testament? Well, the Old Testament is full of things like prophets. Oh, and we have major and minor prophets. We also have books of wisdom, and we have the law and the Torah. And the, Oh, and you need to understand this, too. Well, that part's written in Hebrew. This part's written in Greek, but, oh, well, you know what? Let's not talk about the Bible too much. Instead, let's talk about prayer because that's simple so in prayer you know we do these things well let me tell you about acts adoration confession thanksgiving supplication these are different ways that we pray and we pray this way and that way and you can pray alone you can pray with people you can in a group um, well maybe that's not where i should start right you start going through all down all these paths of well okay and you can try that or you can do this and before you know it you're like oh my gosh and the person's looking at you like you're a crazy person i just wanted to know how to grow spiritually and that's where you start going so even though if we know some of this stuff and we've absorbed some of this stuff and we have a concept of this stuff, sometimes it's really hard for us to simply say, here's the next step. Here's how you can grow spiritually, okay? And that's what we're trying to figure out here. We don't want to just have this to-do list of 500 things that we pass off to somebody and say, start here. That's not it. Because when you're trying to understand or learn something new, it's really great if you can have a teacher that can take the complex things and reduce it down to the simple steps that you need. That's the best way for us to learn things. Spiritual growth is broad. There's a lot to it. Spirituality, you are a person who is not only physical body, but you are spiritual. And so it covers your entire life. Your spiritual life over, uh, glosses over everything that there is. That's a big thing. But you don't have to know everything to start. You just start with where you're at. But it does help to know where you're at if you really want to start. All right. In order to describe a process, I think it's best to kind of label the parts. Okay? Because then you can kind of talk intelligently with other people about these, these things. And that's not new. Uh, churches have been doing this for years. Right? And, and all sorts of different churches use different words and acronyms and phrases to describe the whole discipleship process. Um, one of the, the most well-known, well-used models for this comes from um, Saddleback Church in, in uh, Orange County. Uh, a purpose-driven church, if you've heard of that before, Rick Warren. It's, it's one of the really well-known ones. And what he does is he says, you know, you look through scripture and, and spiritual growth it comes down to basically five pieces, all right? And the five pieces are worship, fellowship, discipleship, service, and outreach. And then from those things, they say, we're going to organize the entire church around those five pieces. And that's not bad at all. It's very good. It's, it's true. It's what we find in Scripture, all right? Um, but five is sometimes hard to remember. So I've decided, let's just try to get three. <laughs> now, all five of those things fall into these three categories, but that's what I want us to remember. Three things, all right? Our path for spiritual formation and growth at South Point has just three components. Three components. And all three of the parts contribute to our spiritual health, okay? And all three of the parts are necessary for spiritual health and growth. Three things. 
And, and by the way, the, the overarching goal of all of this is growth. That's what we want to do. We want to spiritually grow. We need to spiritually grow. If we're not growing, we're dying, right? So we want to spiritually grow. And these three things are key to that. And by understanding those three, these three things, you will be able to know where you are at and what the next step is for you. Okay, still with me here? I hope so. I'm seeing most, most eyes are open, and that's good. All right. All right, put up here on the screen for us uh, the South Point logo. Okay, this is the South Point logo. Now, I, I want to blow a couple minds here today, all right? For some of you, you've always seen this, and you're like, yeah, it's an S and a P. For some of you, you look at this, and you're like, it's a tree. Well, guess what, tree people? It's also an S and a P. And guess what, SP people? It's also a tree. That's the beauty of a logo, right? It's kind of got some dual purpose, dual meanings. All right? Now, a tree is a living, breathing, alive, changing, growing thing. That's what a tree is. And in our case, it also conveniently has three little segments. You like this, don't you? See, I was going to start with five, but our tree didn't have five sections, right? One, two, three. Three little parts that make up this tree. Three little parts that make up this healthy life, all right? And, and with that, I, I want to use that just to help you uh, picture and remember these three primary components. Now, eventually, we may do some really fancy art thing that helps you visualize that, but couldn't get to that this week, okay? I'm sorry. But three primary components are the three big keys for our path to spiritual formation here. Are you now ready for the first one? Has it been long enough? If I kept you waiting, just tell me what the three are. Well, let's start with the first one. Okay, here we are. The first one, the longest intro of all time. The first one, the first step on the path is the first place where most of us were introduced to this church. And we're actually experiencing it right now. A Sunday morning worship service. The first step in spiritual health and growth is this process in that we gather. We come together as the church. We come together as the people of God. That's the first thing to to get you on your path to spiritual life and health. You gather together. And gathering together matters. All right? The church always has been and always will be a team sport. It is. It's just the way it is. It requires multiple people to have a church. You can't have a church as an individual. It requires people. When Jesus began his ministry, he began by gathering a group of people to be with him. And we need each other. It's indispensable to our spiritual formation and health. But here's the problem. In our culture, in the American culture, we have become obsessed with individuality right? Obsessed with, with independence. And for those of you who've been raised with cultural backgrounds that have strong family ties, you really see this. You see that, hey, we were raised that you got to love family, and I know all my uncles and my cousins, and my, we stay close to each other, and we live in the same neighborhoods, and we do all these things, and we get our family reunions every, not just a year, every two months, and we're all getting together, and family is a big deal. You recognize the difference, Because in the culture that we live in, it's all about the individual. 
Um, we've elevated the individual above family, above community, above everything else. In this culture, we idolize the self-made man or the self-made woman. Those who have made it to the pinnacle of whatever that is. We define success by how much can one person make financially or how much power can they acquire. That's like, whoa, that's the success. We've made self-centeredness a virtue. But that's not how God has designed us to be. It's not all about the individual. Healthy Christians need to be together. They gather together with other Christians for worship on a regular basis. Now, can you worship alone? Of course you can. Yes, definitely. But we're also created to worship together. The Bible describes the church as a living body, a body of many parts. All right, I'm going to read you um, several verses smashed together from 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. When we gather together, we are bringing all of the parts together and enjoying the complete picture. When we don't gather together, we're missing parts of our body. And a body that's missing some of its parts or most of its parts, we do not consider a healthy body, right? After Jesus raised from the dead, he told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit. We're going to see this in Acts. And he told them to do it together. He said, I want you guys, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go scatter. Don't go back to your homes or families. I want you to all stay together because something's going to happen. And I want you to be together for you, for this. I want you to experience it together. Stay as a group. There's a combined strength and a sensitivity and awareness of spiritual things when the people of God are gathered together. It was a gathered community of believers that God chose to pour his spirit upon. And it serves as an example for us, um, and it's reinforced in the scripture in places like Hebrews 10.24, which says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. It means make sure you gather, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, I am glad that we have technology um, I really am, and it's a great opportunity for us to do things like a live stream, which is having some complications today, just ironically. <laughs> um, that's good. It's good to be able to have podcasts or to watch a video online and do all those kinds of things. That's, that's good. But guys, it's not an equal substitute. It's not the same as being here. And I don't just mean it because sometimes it's hard to get the music to sound right on the, on the TV part. <laughs> That's not it. It's, it's, there's, there's no substitute for being with the other people of God and being able to connect with others and, and be here together. Um, gathering matters. All right, and also, not only does gathering matter, but where we gather matters. 
Um, and what I mean by that is not the physical location, but the, the sort of gathering that we're a part of. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a visitor um, visiting a family member here from Las Vegas. And at the end of the, the message, I was talking to him for a minute, and he said, oh, I really enjoyed this. I want to find a church. Well, actually, his first question was, is there a South Point in Las Vegas? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> but then he said, he said, well, he asked a really good question, a really insightful question. He said, what do I need to look for when I'm trying to find a church? That's a great question. That's an important question. And what I told him is the same kind of thing that I would tell you, because where you gather actually matters. The church that you're a part of, it really does matter. And what I told him, first off, I said, well, first off, let's find a place that, has a, that uses the Bible. <laughs> because if it's Bible-centered, at least you have a good anchor point to begin with. That's going to matter. And there's a lot of churches that don't spend much time with the Bible. I'm sorry to say it. I don't agree with it. I'll let God deal with that with them. <laughs> but look for a place that is, is Bible-centered. Secondly, I said, you really ought to come to a, a church and you ought to find people that are loving. What does the Bible tells us? tell us? They will know that you're Christians by their love for one another. Now, in a good, healthy church, there's going to be some people at church that aren't so loving, right? We want them here too. We want to make them loving, but, but they've got to start somewhere. So you should be looking for a community of people, a gathering of people that are, that are loving. And then finally, what I said, and the other thing is, just make sure they're, just spirit, they're, they're serious about spiritual growth. Because what can also happen and what is, is natural for us as people is we can get very comfortable and just say, I don't really want to grow. It's nice to just be here. And I like these other people and we can just hang out together in a little holy huddle and it's great. And we just stay there. And that's comfortable, but that doesn't help you grow. All right? And, and that is important. We don't want to gather just to say that we could get a group of people together. That's just a crowd. What's the difference between a crowd and a church? It's the focus that they're gathering around. And that leads us to the next point. Not only does where we gather matters, uh, but what we gather around matters. The gathering that is a critical part of spiritual growth is a gathering that's focused on God. It's God-focused first, all right? Um, now, these gatherings can have all sorts of different ingredients and styles and traditions, but God has to be the focus of why we're gathering together. That's the difference. That's what's happening. When Jesus told us to love the Lord our God in the great commandment, Matthew 22, he was thinking of all sorts of ways that that love is expressed whether that's singing songs of praise or, or praying prayers of adoration or, or um, adoring God in, 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 in prayer or studying his truth or celebrating communion, learning his ways, obeying his commands. There's all sorts of different ways uh, that this takes place. But that's the purpose and the focus of our Sunday morning worship. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to put God at the center of what we do here when we come together on a Sunday morning. This is our devotion to Jesus. It's, it's loving God. All right, so what we gather around matters. And then why we gather matters. Too many times, I think we, under, we misunderstand um, the real focus of a worship gathering. And I understand it. Uh, even if we know it, we sometimes forget it. Because we come to a service, a gathering like this, wondering what we can get out of it. 
instead of what we can give. And you, you understand that is just the backwards thinking of the individual world that we live in. When we, all, when we put ourselves at the center of the universe, of course we're going to come in thinking, well, what is it going to do for me? What do I get out of this? It's the same way that we can look at relationships, right? Uh, what can that person do for me? But what we're, we're supposed to do in an act of worship when we're here is we flip that. And it's, no, I'm here to give God worship and glory and honor. I'm going to worship and serve and love and do these other things that God's calling me to. And I get to enjoy that. All right? And as we participate in the gathering, we honor God in worship. Now, we do get all sorts of things from God when we gather together but we're actually here to give our worship. When we participate, we change, and it may be because of the song we sing or an encouragement we hear from a friend or a truth we learn from the message or even just a touch of the Holy Spirit that impacts us. But you need to know that when God places you in a church family, you are an important part of it. You're not just coming to watch a show. You're not just coming to just... Be here and consume whatever you can consume. Your struggles, your victories, your ups and your downs, all are important here. And it's not always convenient. It's a Sunday morning. It's a, for most of us, it's a day that you could be sleeping in. Um, but gathering together, even if it's not convenient or easy, gathering together is critical for spiritual health. You need the church, and the church needs you. Finally, I also want to bring this up. Who we gather with matters. Here at South Point, I want you to understand this. And here at South Point, we use the Sunday morning worship service, this gathering that you're part of right now, as the front door of our church. All right? And what do I mean by that? This is where we want to invite guests. Okay, this is the place. This is the time. This is the best place for them to meet us as a church. Why? Because this is the place where most of us get together. Um, the church is the people. Now, in some cases, I will say, um, a different all-church gathering might be better. You may have a friend that's like, I'm never setting foot in a, in a church again. All those Christians are crazy people or whatever. All right, trying to drag them to church on a Sunday morning is probably not the place to start in their lives. Okay, I do understand that. But most of the time, this is where we want to introduce the church. And not all churches function this way. Okay, and you have to understand that. In some churches, the service is really meant to be for believers only, all right, or the members of that congregation. And they say, look, we're going to do this, and we're going to go deep, and we're going to uh, focus on believers who are Christians that are growing, and whatever else comes along is whatever else comes along, but we're going to focus on this. And, and I, I understand the, the mindset behind that, okay? But that's not the model that we want to follow, we want to welcome guests to learn about God and learn about the Bible and the gospel. We want them to be introduced to other Christians and get a sense of what Christian community is really all about. And did you know then that each one of you play a critical role in that process? You do. You really do. They say, you know, when they study this stuff and ask people about how they got involved in a church, you know, they say that people have decided if they're coming back to a church way before the music starts, before they hear a message, any of that, what they decide is how, how 
well did the function go from getting out of my car in the parking lot into the front door and find a seat somewhere? Who did I see? Who did I talk to? Who greeted me? Who didn't greet me? Who smiled at me? Who scowled at me? How did this all go? That's actually the the space because it's a first impression of who they're finding out who this church is and what they're all about. So because of that, you play a critical role in this. And if this is true, if this is the place that we want to invite guests that do not know Jesus, then what we do and how we do it must reflect that. We have to prioritize our hospitality as a church. We have to be people that are paying attention to how loving was I this morning when I went to church? Was I so upset about that mess that happened at work that I didn't ever even look somebody in the eye? <laughs> you know, I just went straight in and sat down and asked God to speak to me? Maybe, and some days we have that, but hopefully there's other people that are, are not functioning that way on that day, and we go that way. Um, here's here's a, a simple example. Most of us in this church are used to verse-by-verse teaching, going through a book of the Bible, and we like that. And to be honest, I'm most comfortable with that. It's, it's good to do. I like it because you get through and you're like, I know that book of the Bible well, right? And we do that. But I will say, that's not always the best approach for reaching a non-believer or a person who's never heard anything about the Bible. Because in many cases, we go through some heavy books. Right? Guys, we went through the book of Hosea. <laughs> you know, We go through some books that are hard and people that are first introduced to this are like, ah, it's hard for me to understand all this, all right? So in our gatherings, we want to try to keep a balanced approach that will engage a non-believer, a new Christian, and a mature Christian all at once. Sometimes we do that much better than other times. But we, this is what we're, we're trying to do. Even something as, as could seem simple as announcements, what John did for us this morning. An announcements. We don't assume, if, we're, if we think we're going to have guests, if this is the place where we're inviting guests, we don't assume that everyone knows everyone else and everyone knows everything about what's going on here. So even the way that we describe things, we want to describe them well, not just pass out insider information and tell inside jokes, even though I know John likes to tell inside jokes. That's not what we're trying to do here, right? We have to understand this. It's the, it's the way that we're viewing um, the gathering. So, finishing here, the first step towards spiritual growth and health at South Point is when we gather. It's when we gather. And I understand, guys, I don't want anybody to feel like this is a guilt trip. Um, We all lead busy lives. And we all have lots of things going, and there's a lot of moving parts. And there's lots of weeks you won't be here, and you can't be here. That's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at is I'm trying to get you to understand the importance and the value of something like this. And why that there is more than just, oh, well, I'll catch the podcast sometime while I'm mowing the lawn or whatever. It's, there's an importance of you being here with people. There's an importance of us gathering together as the family of God, as the people of God. And I, I think that um, if we make this a priority, what we will see is spiritual health and growth that comes from it. I know that I personally, I I can share my testimony in that this gathering has deeply affected my spiritual life and growth. And I know many of you are the same way. And I think that um, if you haven't done that before, uh, he will do the same for you. All right, next week, we'll look at the other two pieces. And I'm not going to tell you what they are. 
so that you come back. All right? So don't want you to miss it. But that's the first one. We gather together. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this word this morning. And I know this is different than a usual message that I give here on a Sunday morning. But God, I I know that you've impressed this on my heart, on the leadership of the church, on our hearts collectively, that, that we want to know how you want us to grow. And we want to know the path to get there. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us get a sense of what that means, what that looks like, and how we can be a part of it. And even today, Lord, as we talk about this simple act of gathering, we recognize and understand that it's a lot deeper than just showing up. But instead, when we're coming together to worship you, we're coming with an expectation that this is part of spiritual life and spiritual growth. This isn't just a crowd of people getting together and talking about the Bible. This is actually your living church, your body coming together and experiencing all the things that a healthy body can experience when it's, it's in one piece. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us prioritize this, that you'd, you'd help us see the vision for what this is all about, and that in it, Lord, we would um, begin to grow, that we would come with that expectation of a place of worship, a place of transformation, a place where people's lives are healed, where people are being built up, they're being encouraged. Sometimes we're the ones who need that encouragement. Other times we're the ones who give the encouragement. Sometimes we're the one who needs to hear the the hard word from your Bible. Um, But other times, Lord, it's a soft word or a, a comforting word. But Lord, let us just be open to what it is that you want to do when you gather your people together. And Lord, I also just ask that you would, as we are obedient in this and as we gather together as a people, Lord, that you would always grace us with your presence. That your presence would be tangibly felt when your people gather together. And I believe that happens when we ask you to meet us, when we honor you when we meet, when we focus on glorifying the name of Jesus. And when we gather together, your spirit moves in a powerful way that we don't always understand or comprehend But Lord, we ask that your spirit would pour out on our gatherings in the same way that those those believers experienced in Acts chapter 2, Lord, that where they gathered together seeking you. And when you showed up and moved on them in a powerful way, Lord, we pray that that would happen among us in our church as we gather. And Lord, that you would bring us to a place of maturity, no matter where each heart is here today whether they barely know you or don't know you at all, Lord, if that's the case, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and begin this process of growth and of health and of life that comes from you. We love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.